previously on Unpacked. As I walked to my aunt's bedroom, she just blurted out that your dad has just killed your mom, your brother, sister, and himself. I had to say goodbye to the four important things in my life. And as they laid their bodies onto the belt, I knew that was the last time I would see them. Alicia Rumdery lost her entire family when her father killed her mother, sister, and brother, and then proceeded to kill himself. This is part two of the conversation. Let's unpack. as a 12-year-old sitting here thinking of what's going to happen to me. Mm. My family is not here. Mm. They're not here to tell, okay, you take Alicia and look mm. after her. Dad wasn't there to do that. My mm. mom wasn't there to do that. These questions just poured out of nowhere. Things that I would expect my, my parents to say, you know, okay, mm. We'll take control of the situation. It was just me and all these emotions and me against the world, mm. left alone to fend for myself. Did you get told or was it just something that happened that you, you were going to be moving to Joburg with your aunt? I was told that I will be moving back with her. Mm -hmm. I guess it was also because my dad left me in her care mm. in the first place, so she felt that she was responsible to take care of me. Mm. Even though I did have legal guardians appointed according to the will, which were my maternal grandparents, mm. but my aunt took care of me. Mm. So in the days after, you know, the send-off and you having to say goodbye, um, how long do you think it was about of wrapping up the things at the house, you packing your things and leaving? It was done at over two or three days. Mm. Things were packed up in boxes, sent away, donated. I couldn't pack everything of mine, my belongings. There's certain things that just went you know, there was no time to sift through, okay, we're mm. keeping this, let that go. Mm. People just grouped up, family grouped up, and things were just shipped off. Mm. And I lost a lot of sentimental things, mm. things that I wish I had, mm. or people thought that, you know, I would need in the days to come. Mm. Like what? A lot of my albums. Mm my baby pictures, mm. things that hold memory, fond memories, mm. um, a few items of our toys, mm. maybe an item of clothing from my brother and sister. Mm. I did have clothing of my mom's, mm. but that later on my aunt kept and was given away. 
I wish on that day things did not go as fast as they did. Mm. I wish that there was time allocated so that we could go through every single item and make a decision on or allow me in that whole process to make a decision what happens. Why wasn't there time allocated? Because we had to go back to Johannesburg mm. and even the the ceremonies that we normally do was done over the three-day period. Mm. So nothing happened or took its course the way it should. Mm. Everything was just a rush. Yeah. It was box up, pack up, leave. Yeah. Yeah. What was the, 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 the new life like for you where now um, you are moved, you know, shipped to Johannesburg, you are packed up and not with everything. Um, did you get a, a period where you got a, some time off before having to go back to school or were you rushed back to school? Like what, what were those, you know, first few weeks like? The first few weeks was horrible. Mm. I know I cried a lot. Mm. Um, a simple thing as a song that my mom liked will make me cry. Mm. And there was no time to deal with this trauma and mm. this tragedy that I've just been through. I had to jump back into life. Mm. At night, I would cry myself to sleep, even though I was not at the incident, but I would wake up with a gunshot noise. Mm. I would fall asleep and see myself walking up those stairs, going to the bedroom, mm. seeing their lifeless bodies there, and then a gunshot will wake me up. Mm. And I'd cry myself to sleep. Mm. And I wonder, why was it me? Why am I alone? Mm. And then these thoughts would come into my mind that I need to be with my family. The thought of killing myself. And it was scary to think that because I just lost my family to a murder-suicide and yes. here I'm thinking of killing myself as well. Yes. But I wanted to kill myself because I couldn't live without them. I needed mm. them. Mm. I needed that that love that I knew. Mm. That support structure. Yes. Yes. And it was hard to adapt in my aunt's home. She had children of her own. And I understand that even though I'm her sister's daughter, mm. but it was just different. It was a different kind of love. Mm. And I remember the one time I went into the bathroom, I ran my bath water and I took a razor blade and I started slitting myself. Mm. It wasn't deep, it was more of a self-harm. Mm. And listening to this voice on the inside of me, your dad did it, you can do it too. Mm. You need to be with him, so why not? Mm. I never had the courage on the inside of me to go ahead 
with a suicide attempt. Yeah. And it always makes me think, how did my dad do mm. what he did? In what space did he have to be to go ahead mm. with something like this? Mm. Mm. It was a very dark moment at times. And you feel like the walls around you close up. Yeah. You're sitting in this corner and there's just no way out. Mm. The only way out is to kill myself. Mm. Mm. Nobody knew what I was thinking. Mm. And that help, I wish people looked more into what this 12-year-old was going to through. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing that I was wor- uh, wondering about is what the structures were put in place for your emotional support and healing. You know, did they did you get put in therapy? Did you get counseling? Or was it just, this is the, your new reality and you need to live it? I did go for a few sessions of counseling mm. with a social worker. And that came to an abrupt stop. Mm. I'm not sure why. And it just felt that I needed to deal with whatever has just happened. Mm. And, you know, when we lose loved ones, nobody gives you a manual Mm. to tell you how to live without them. Yes. And for me, it just was, okay, you lost your parents, get over it, move on. That's what I felt from the adults around me. And I always heard that they lost a brother-in-law, a sister, Mm. nieces and nephews. Whenever we had family arguments, that would always pop up. It was thrown in my face and I was blamed constantly for the death of my family. How? I don't understand you know, what is the, the connection that you are the, are the person to blame, that you are at fault? To this day, I do not know mm. where that connection is. Mm. Because to blame me for something that I did not do. I mean, I was in Johannesburg. My dad did what he did mm. at his own will. I was just 12 years old. Mm. So that was something that I had to live with throughout the time of living amongst family. The name, you know, blaming and... What would they say? Give me an example so you can paint a picture of what that would look like. Oh, your mom must be rolling in a grave. So if you did something, somebody would say that? If I did something, your mom, if your mom were here... Yeah, she'd be rolling in a grave. You know what? You kill them. Wow. You sent your parents to their deathbed. We would rather have your siblings here than you. Wow. So those are the type of things, the negative talk that I received and in turn started believing that... And your own family would say these yes, things. Wow. My own blood, my mom's sisters. Wow. Wow, that's a lot. That is a lot. It is. 
So you go through this period of now no therapy, a new life where, you know, did you feel you you were being provided with everything you needed outside of the love of an immediate family? Do you feel like you were given everything else that you needed? Uh, no. When it comes to essential things, you know, toiletries and stuff, maybe mm. yes. Mm. But the things that I needed to get me through a day. Mm. Like what? That love, mm. that comfort. I'm here, talk to me mm. if you need anything. What are you feeling? Mm. Are you okay inside of it? You know, those kind of things. I just lost my family. Mm. And it's like I just had to grow up. Mm. You know, I had to mature so quickly because it was a huge, huge jump from a 12-year-old mm. into a life of the unknown, you mm. can say. I wish people took a bit more um, they looked at the deeper me and yeah. what I was struggling with mentally. My friends at school became the people that I spoke to and opened mm. up to. They knew more about what was going on with me than the people that I loved mm. with. Because my friends took time to ask me, yes. how are you? Mm. You've just gone through this. How can we help you? Yes. Do you feel that, um, you know, in that whole period, especially while you were still a minor, that you were basically alone? Yes. Hmm. I was alone. It's, it was just myself that carried me hmm. through and prayer. I really wish the adults in my life more. Yeah. So let's fast forward to you now going through now also adolescence, uh, school, and you eventually reaching a point of being independent. What, what was that like for you? Adolescent years were hard. I was bullied in school. I had to find my space mm -hmm. again and my footing. Being in a new school, new environment, new friends, mm -hmm. Um, there were a group of boys that bullied me mm. and I started dating something that was new to me. Mm. My dad wouldn't allow, but everything that I experienced was new and I had to experiment and try out new things. Yes. And as I grew, the suicidal thoughts got more, the more pressure life poured onto me. There was a point where my aunt could no longer look after me. Mm -hmm. And I was taken to my grandparents' home. Mm -hmm. My grandparents looked after me for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And there was always arguments with who would take care of me because my grandparents were old. Suicidal thoughts would pop up again. Mm -hmm. Eventually I was adopted by one of my mom's younger sisters. Mm. And I had to move again. 
I moved to another school and start life afresh. Mm. And every time this happened, there were always the same, the same cycle of events. Yeah. Where you find, you get spoiled, they'll buy you things, and then all of a sudden things start to change. And you notice the change that you are being treated differently. And then the suicidal thoughts pop up again. Is it treated differently as in you're not one of us or the pity? You're not one of us. Yes. And then it's the blaming again of yes. you killing your, your parents. Yes. And there was a point in my life where I just said enough is enough. Mm. I met my husband while in grade 11. Mm. And we started dating in 2009. But between our schooling years in 2009, the heartbreak of dating mm. also caused suicidal thoughts. Mm. And I started working in 2006. And the company that I worked for were you eventually out on your own now? No, I was still living with uh, my adoptive parents. Yes. And during this time of living with them, obviously I, I am grateful for whatever my maternal family has done for me yes. up until. Yes. And after I started working, I bumped into my husband again. Mm. And I decided, okay, I'm going to move out mm. and I'm going to become the independent woman mm. that I need to be. Yeah. The move to becoming an independent woman was hard because not everyone around me was happy. Mm. I always put people first. I yes. put my family first and yes. I always came last. Yes. And the day when I made a decision to put myself first, it was a big issue. Mm. But I did it anyway. I moved out. I became that independent lady. I bought my first car. I worked. I studied part-time. And I promised myself that while living alone, I would not run my dad's name in the mud. I will grow myself up to be something that he would be proud of. I started taking courses. Why was that important to you? Because I was so, you know, in all the time you've spoken about him, you have never um, in our conversation uh, said anything negative about him, even though he did what he did. What is the reason that you made that a choice for yourself? My dad was always proud of us. And regardless of what my dad did, mm -hmm. he's still my dad. Yes. And during this entire healing process, I found it in me to forgive him mm. for what he did. And for me, growing up into this beautiful woman that he would expect to be, that 
that to me was important. Mm -hmm. My dad's name is still important to me. Mm -hmm. No matter what he's done, it will always be the name that I carry high. Mm -hmm. Always. So did you have to separate who he is, the man you love, the man you know, the father that you, you grew up with that raised you from the act he committed? Yes, hmm. I had to do that. That was, I think, one of the important things in my healing. Hmm. Yes, I was angry at first. I was very angry at him for what he did. But this is what he chose to do. Hmm. And above all, he's my dad. And if we can forgive, and that makes us heal, then why not? Mm. How were you able to reconcile that with yourself and console it? Because obviously it's not something that happened overnight, but for people who are watching who might think, um, yeah, we get that you love him, but how were you able to do that? There was a long process. It took a lot out of me fighting with myself and trying to understand the dark place that he was put into. Mm. I went through it, he went through it. Mm. And who are we to judge? So, To ultimately forgive him helped me make peace with the entire tragedy. Yeah. So where would you say you are today, just in terms of uh, your emotional, mental, psychological well-being? Um, where, where are you? I am... Now, I would say living my life to the best of its ability. When I got married, I decided that it's a new chapter. It's time for me. Mm. It's time to love me and put me first. Mm. And I have started speaking out more about my, my story. Yeah. I've shared it a lot on social media. It's helped. Many people, mm. it's been an inspirational and motivational story. Mm. And I've went ahead and created a um, suicide awareness support group as well on Facebook. Mm. And my purpose for being here is to save lives. Yeah. It's to share my story and tell those that are going through these dark moments that suicide is not the way to go. Mm. There is help out there. I've also written a book recently. Mm. It's called Orphan by Suicide. Mm. And it's my memoir. My entire life is in there and all the different aspects and mm. things that I've been through that I've never spoken about. Mm. 
things that have stigmas, mm. things that we're not allowed to talk about mm. because of the stigmas that surround it. And mentally, I am at peace. I am a happy person. Mm. I'm more positive. And I look forward to living this life, regardless of the tragedy that I've went through. But I'm here today to show that no matter what you go through, you are able to rise from that mm. and move forward. And I think that is the biggest takeaway from your story. Um, many may have succumbed to wanting to take their own lives, to no longer be here, to give up, to shut themselves away from the world. But you were able to, you know, come out of this tragedy and to be able to speak um, about it, to be an advocate, as you said, mm. for, you know, suicide prevention and to help those that are suffering. At the end of the day, I agree with you that, you know, the reality is no one will ever know what your father was going through in those last moments. It really is a sad tragedy that he felt the need to take his family with him and to leave you behind. Be that as it may, you are here today and you're able to share your story with us. And I appreciate that. I can't imagine it being easy having to relive it the way that you have today. So thank you so, so much, Alicia, for speaking to us. Thank you so much for having me. Tragedies do not have to define who you are as a person. They do not have to define the kind of life that you will live for the rest of your life after these tragedies have taken place. My key takeaway from today is that there is life after pain. There is love after hurt. There is so much more that you can find after these types of experiences that seem like it's the end of the world. Thank you so much for watching. Have a good night. Next time on Unpacked. So they call it a cold room. It's a big room and then there's just bodies piled upon bodies, bodies. On so, top of each other. And now you need to fight. So there are some people that are very heavy or some people that are already, you'll find that the arm is missing or the leg is missing. So I literally just walked away and I went inside the grave. What? <laughs>